we've been talking about loving your church by committing to the, to the vision of your church, its mission and its values. We've also talked about loving your church by serving and by giving of your time and your energy and your talents to bless others and uh, within the church and those outside the church. We've also talked about loving your church through giving and understanding that the value, one of the values we hold is that we are a people of offering, of outpouring. We are outpouring to the Lord. And so we, as a royal priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, the fruit of our lips, the good works that we do, sharing with one another, sharing Christ with others, our intercessions and prayers and things like that. We live a lifestyle of pouring out, of giving. And today, last in this little short series here, is loving your church by inviting. Now, when you hear that, you automatically might go to that place in your mind where you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, invite people to church. I've invited everybody I know so far. I don't have anybody else left to, left, left to invite. It's okay, just listen to the message today, okay? Um, you know, we, have, we don't, uh, when we think of inviting, we don't think of it in terms of invite more people so that we get more people, so that we become uh, some, some kind of, a, you know, a, a model that we've seen out there somewhere that, oh, we want to be like that big place or the, uh, that big place. If God chooses to do that here, that's fine. He hasn't so far, and, and that's, that's fine. I, I, I love this church family, you know, and, and it would change the dynamic if we experienced a lot of growth. We have to be willing to make that change if necessary so that we can serve more people. Um, but yeah, it does bring a, it does break a change. But, but here's what I believe. I really do believe that there are people out there that need Clear River, that need Clear River. One of the things that I heard someone say last night at the, um, at the retreat, and the reason that they were glad for their spouse is that they never would have known about or come to Clear River if they hadn't married them. And I thought, what a cool thing to be grateful for, you know, that this church family means so much to somebody. And there are other people out there who need this church. I don't know who they are, and you don't, but they're out there. They're out there. So let me just, let me give you a framework today to, to, to put this in a light that I hope will, will help you and, and motivate you a bit without being too, um, uh, too heavy-handed, all right? So we're going to talk out of Thessalonians, and we're going to start here, 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 through 10. And I've entitled each of these sections the gospel blank, and it'll make sense when it comes together here. The gospel effect. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. When the gospel takes root, when the gospel has its effect, it changes people's lives. Look at what he says, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you 
and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. There's a little short gospel message right there, isn't there? But the gospel had had its effect. So profound was the change in their lives that word about it not, was not only local, but it got out in other places. And the, the apostles were hearing reports from other places about what had happened in that, uh, in that particular area. So the gospel has its effect. Let's talk about gospel motivation. This is from verse 8. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were, watch this, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own uh, children. In, in this passage, Paul's going to talk about nursing mothers, and then he's going to turn to fathers. And it's an interesting picture, I think. It's a lovely picture because the idea of nursing, nursing mothers, we're talking about infants, babies, and the wonderful mothers who have brought them into the world. He's talking about the new birth. He's talking about those that have come into the kingdom uh, and have been born again, and that we were among you like nursing mothers. We were there doing what? We were helping, we were helping you to come to life by the gospel that we were sharing with you. And so we were like nursing mothers taking care of her children. We were gentle among you. So being affectionately desirous of you. That's a good question to ask ourselves. Who am I affectionately desirous of? Their salvation. Who is percolating in my heart? Who's percolating in my heart? Now, there's a general sense in which we can say, well, we want everybody to come to Christ. But you can't get to everyone. You can't have an impact on everyone. But there are people within your sphere of influence that you can have an impact on. There are people waiting for you. The people waiting for this kind of church are waiting for you. Who are you affectionately desirous of? This person matters to me. This family matters to me. They're worth my continued efforts to reach out to them. Paul says, we were affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share, watch this, to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. To be affectionately desirous of someone's salvation means that I am willing to invest the energy to create relationship with them so that I may have an opportunity to share Christ with them. But I'm not there just to deliver a message and check out. I'm there to deliver a friendship, a relationship. Now that might cost you a little bit because it might be somebody that you wouldn't actually start up a friendship with. But something's happening and the Holy Spirit's percolating in you and this person 
this family keeps coming to mind. Will we share our lives? Will we, will we be willing to invite people into the circle of our social involvement in order to bring them closer to an opportunity to say yes to Christ? He says, you've become very dear to us. So, now, that's the gospel motivation. We talked about the gospel effect, what happens when the gospel takes root and explodes in people's lives. The gospel motivation, seriously, affectionately, desirous. Who is on your heart? Who comes to mind? Who are you praying for that they would come to Christ? And then the gospel effort. And this kind of dovetails off that last little bit of sharing our own lives. You remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are our witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you, believers. The gospel effort means that we are cognizant of the fact that our lives speak, that our lives speak. And we don't want to put stumbling blocks in anyone's way, but we want there to be an authenticity and an integrity of our hearts and our lives. We want people to see not just us, but the Christ in us. And so we're willing to make that effort in friendship and relationship and in reaching out. We're willing to make that effort. I, Paul said, we work night and day. They were so busy making the effort to have the opportunity. You hear that? So busy making the effort to have the opportunity. So there's gospel effort. Let's talk about the gospel commitment. Now here he's going to switch and change because here's the thing. We don't just see people come into the kingdom and go, okay, good, that's it. What did Jesus tell us to do? What's the great commission? Go therefore, he said, into all the world and make what? Make what? Right. He didn't say make converts. He didn't say make believers. He said make disciples of all nations. A disciple is someone who learns from someone else. And when we reach out to someone and invite them into a relationship that gives us the opportunity to share Christ with them, that sharing of the gospel and hopefully their response to it is not the place where this thing terminates. The relationship goes on and we stand by to encourage, to teach, to disciple, to help them develop in their relationship with Christ. And so Paul switches now to a father model here. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not to say that mothers don't uh, exhort and encourage, etc. But I think he's putting these things together, saying that in both the same way as, as, a, as a mother births a child and nurses a child who's just come into the world, 
then the father takes a, an important role of leading and developing, along with the mother, the life of the children. So he's, he's talking about the effect and he's using these two ideas. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. Look at the words right there. We exhorted, what does it say? Each, say it for me, each, say that again, each one of you. A lot of believers that were there in Thessalonica, but there was someone who spent time with each one. We exhorted each one of you. We exhorted you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Let me point something out here. We thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but what it really is, the word of God. Listen, as you make the effort to engage, to invite people into a relationship, to try to have gospel conversations with people, you can share the gospel, but understand that not everybody's going to hear it as the word of God. They'll hear it as the word of men. In fact, you hear people say that kind of thing all the time, don't you? The Bible, and I just book written by a bunch of men, you know, just the word of men. Here's an important key in relating to people. Don't get discouraged or don't be put off when somebody has an initial negative reaction to the gospel or if they dismiss it as just the words of men. Because you see, here's the thing. They have to be able to receive it as the word of God. That means that the Holy Spirit has to open their hearts. The Holy Spirit has to open their eyes. What did Jesus say? No man comes to the Father except through me. And so it is the work of the Spirit it's the work of the Holy Spirit to open blind eyes, to open hearts. And that person who might have been negative to you, not once, not twice, but months, maybe years, all of a sudden, one day, and you don't know when that's going to be. That's why it's important to not give up on folks. You don't know when it's going to be, but there'll come a moment when the Holy Spirit opens their eyes, opens their hearts, and they hear that message like they've never heard it before. And it comes alive in them, and they respond to it. That's worth the effort, worth the effort. All right, so gospel commitment, going to hang in there with you as long as it takes. And then the last thing here, the gospel joy. The gospel joy. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord. One of our values is joy. We want to get as much 
joy as we can. All the joy that we can. Joy is a, is a, um, a beautiful gift of God to our lives. And it is meant to be a motivator for our lives. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, went to Calvary for us. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Those who go forth bearing seed and weeping will come again rejoicing with the harvest. There is a joy before us. And let me tell you something. One of the great, great joys of any Christian is that joy of knowing that you've had a part in helping somebody discover their relationship with Christ. What a privilege, what an honor to see someone come into the kingdom and to know that they were able to be discipled and brought along because of the investment of your life in them. What a joy. What a joy. Is there anything really more important? I think if there had been, Jesus would have mentioned it along with that great commission when he, when he, was, when he ascended. I think the reason it's called the great commission is because it's really, really important. It's why the great commandments are really, really important. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love your neighbor as yourselves. Two great commandments on these hang everything else. It's really important. Great Commission is really important. So what do we do? Just some ideas for you to think about, pray about. Here we go, ready? Invite the Holy Spirit to use you. Invite the Holy Spirit. Love your church by inviting. Invite the Holy Spirit to use you. Invite the Holy Spirit to use us, to reach out and to give the grace and love of Jesus Christ to others. Invite new friendships. That's hard to do. It's hard to do, to invite new friendships. We get kind of locked in, and we're not always looking for new opportunities. But if you invite the Holy Spirit in to lead you, then just look for who starts to percolate with you. I don't know if percolate's a good word or not. It's just the word I'm stuck with this morning. So whoever starts to percolate uh, with you, look for, uh, for that opportunity. God will make a way. Number three, invite people to low-impact events. Listen, um, I, was so, I was so thrilled Tom and Karen Dillinger brought a, a couple from their neighborhood on the marriage retreat with them. Listen, men, you've got some great events. Make it an effort to invite someone to that event that doesn't have a church home. Make that, make that effort. Women, you have some great events. Make an effort to invite women who don't have a church home to those events. They're low impact. This Sunday mornings, I'll never forget Matthew looking at me one day after leaving church here, and he just said, Dad, he said, you guys are intense. I said, what? He says, you're intense. I mean, you got, uh, you got singing and praising going on, and you're speaking praises and that kind of thing, and then you got 
people, you're doing the Apostles' Creed, and then you got people praying, and then someone stands up and quotes a scripture on a fighter verse in front of everybody, and then you preach like you preach, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then you have communion every week. It's, it's intense. For somebody who doesn't have a church home, it's a lot to take in on a Sunday morning. But you know what? If they've gone to a couple of low-impact events with you and you've had a chance to kind of make that connection and you invite them, you know what? Their trust in you will go a long way in them feeling comfortable here. They'll go a long way. One of the things I'm working on this week is creating a little uh, kind of a, a bookmark or a, um, a laminated little sheet that says, here's what you'll experience this morning and here's why we do it. So that somebody who's new can just kind of look through that and kind of get a bird's eye view of what's going on here. But if they trust you, they'll be able to feel like they're not somewhere that they just don't understand and they're alone. They'll know that they're with you. So use those low impact events. Invite someone to read the Bible with you. It's a great way to talk over spiritual issues with somebody. You'd be surprised. You say, well, Jeff, nobody would ever read the Bible with me. Who have you asked? Who have you asked? Who have you invited to go get coffee? And hey, man, I, you know, I, I, we've talked, you know, we've had a chance to have a couple of conversations. You know, we, you, know, I, you know I go to church. You know, it's important. We've talked a little bit. But would you be interested in reading the Bible with, uh, with me and talking about it? You can use a coffee. You could use, by the way, some of these video studies. There's evangelistic ones. The entire uh, Rico Tice Exploring Christianity series is on there. That's a great resource for using to talk to people about Christianity. So there's wonderful opportunities there. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to use us, to use us, and to open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, listen and watch who starts percolating, who do we become more affectionately desirous of, now let's put the effort in. Invite them to low-impact events. Invite them to church. Give them a good coaching before they, before they come. Let them know what they're going to experience. By the way, never let somebody that you don't know and that you know hasn't been here before go out those doors without anybody greeting them. Number one complaint I hear all the time about churches all across the country, nobody spoke to me. Nobody spoke to me. That should never happen. May that never happen in this fellowship. May we always be reaching out to express love and welcome to anyone who comes. Amen?